If you've been gone for a week or two, then uh, this is the first time that you're seeing me. My name is Christian, and I am brand new here at Renaissance. My family and I have been in town for a little more than a week, and I'll tell you one thing that has stood out to us, and it is the welcome that has been extended to us by all of you, uh, the ones that have talked with us. I cannot tell you how thankful we are for that. Uh, Last week was my first sermon. At the end of that sermon, I expressed my desire to slap everyone in the face, and you've still welcomed me. So I feel grateful for that. Uh, It really is fresh for us to be here. On Friday, I had my office moved into the third floor here at the Opera House. That meant desks and bookshelves, uh, 47 boxes heavy of books carried all the way up those three floors. At the end of that time, the mover put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, Sir... Do me a favor, if you ever move out of this office, do not call my company. (laughs) He asked what I did, and when I told him I was a pastor, he got serious, and then he asked me a really intriguing question. If you had one wish, what would you wish for? Of course, I thought of more wishes. Obviously, no. We'd both seen that movie. I sat down to think, and and then I asked him, how about you? What would you wish for? And this is what he said. "I, I would wish that all of us in the world would get along. No more violence. No more hate. That's what I would wish for. He walked back downstairs, and I sat in my office, and I thought. I thought about this day. I thought about 15 years ago. I thought about how desperately I want the very same thing that he expressed, which is that the world would change. Don't you wish for that? I thought about how many days between 15 years ago and now, I was shocked yet again at the monstrosity that people meet out upon each other. And I thought, I want the world to change. Here's what I came up with as he was moving my, my books, what I would wish for. I would wish that here, in this place, and and here, that I would have a hand in bringing about the kind of change that the world needs. And you know, I believe that the world will change not when we wish for it, although it's good to wish. I, I believe that the world can change, not because governments make new laws, although government can do many good things. But I actually believe that the world can change when ordinary men and women, like us, are gathered together in a place like this. And when someone like me does his very best to simply open up the word, the way that God has chosen to communicate to us, and then set before people like us what God has to say and see what God does. Here, I believe that the way the world changes is when one at a time, young people, uh, people who've been around for longer, men and women, hear from God, trust Him, and then step out in life differently because of it. When they move forward in faith, that's how I think God actually changes individuals, and that is how God changes the world altogether. And today, at Renaissance, we begin a new sermon series where we're together week after week, gonna see, we're going to see what it looks like. 
when ordinary men and women hear from God and choose to trust and then step out in faith because of it. If you yourself would be open to the possibility that as we gather week by week, as we look at the stories from the scriptures of ordinary people who hear God and trust, if you would be open to God changing you, I want you to understand this, that he can, in fact, bring about the kind of transformation in your life that would make everything new and would make you one of those people that he uses to change the world which so desperately needs to be changed. Is there someone in here who knows that's how it works? It is. And so what we're going to do together, very simply, is to look at the stories of ordinary people who hear from God and trust and then step out. We're going to see what faith looks like together. Now, I want to do one bit of work this morning before we start looking at the scripture, because faith is a term which needs some definition. As you may know, that's a word that's commonly used, and it's often used in different ways, and I want to differentiate how I'm going to use it here from the other ways you might have heard the word used. You've heard the expression, you've just got to have faith. One way that faith is used is as a way of saying you have to convince yourself that you believe something that's unbelievable. You know in your mind that it's not true, but you really wish it was true, and so you've just got to have faith. That's one way the word is used, as a, a stand-in for the effort to convince yourself that what you know is not really true, it's what you wish for is true. When we speak about faith here, that is not the way we're going to use the word. There's a second way uh, that the word is commonly used. Faith often stands for the set of religious beliefs that differentiate you from people who have a different set of religious beliefs. Uh, you know what I mean. I am a person of the Christian faith as opposed to another faith. And that's another way the word is used. Here, uh, I'm going to mean more than that, something much more particular than that. Though, of course, faith does stand for what we believe, I want to use it with you in a way that stands for not just what you think and not just what you say uh, that you believe, but more importantly, something that is much, much more personal. And here's why I want to use it in this way. In the Scriptures... The word is not used in either one of those first two ways. It's never standing for the, the decision to try to convince yourself you believe something you don't. It doesn't work like that in the Bible. Uh, neither is faith a word that differentiates one religious group from another, although that makes sense to us. Instead, and here's the big thing that I want you to see today and every week. Here it is. Faith is the choice that one person makes to trust another. It's the determination in the heart and mind of one individual to entrust herself to another who is more capable, who is transcendent, who is trustworthy. Let that sink in for a moment. It's much more personal than those first two ways of thinking about faith. Faith is a decision to let go and trust that there is another who will hold you. Can you picture that? I want to paint a picture of it before we go to our first story. It's Father's Day 2014. It's June 15th. It's a day that stands out in my memory for a reason. You'll see why in a minute. It was a Sunday. 
I was preparing to preach at the church that I'd been at for a long time. I was in my study getting myself together when my wife came in and said, Christian, Lily needs help. She's stuck in a tree. Now, that wasn't surprising to me at all. Lily was four years old. She loved climbing trees. Just the week before, she was at my parents' house. She climbed up a tree. My dad had to grab her and take her down. And so I said, okay, no worries. I left my books. I went outside into the parking lot, and there was a tree surrounded by a group of onlookers. And it was a pine tree, but it was one of those pine trees that's about 60 feet tall. You know the kind I mean? And so people are gathering, and someone says, Nathaniel's in there too. Now, Nate, that's our daughter. She's four. At the time, Nate it was six. He had climbed up, apparently, to rescue his sister. And so as I approached, I saw Nate, and he was about 15 feet up this tree, high enough to really get hurt if he fell. And so I started to sweat a little bit. I had my microphone on that I was going to be using that afternoon in my sermon. Thank goodness the volume wasn't turned on. That would have been bad. I climbed up, I grabbed Nate, and he said, Dad, Lily's at the top. Uh, can we see the photo? This here is half of the tree. And you can't see because of the lights. Can we zoom in a little bit? Okay, this is me right here. Can, can we have the stage lights down so they can see better? Because this is pretty... This is pretty important. The greenish blur above me is Lily. And she's, she's just about 60 feet up. I threw up a little bit in my mouth. <laughs> I, I climbed up there, and I got underneath Lily, and listen, she was stuck. And the branches that she was on were so small, they were the only thing that was really supporting her, and they gave her all of the security that she had at that moment. And I came up beneath her. I hid how uh, frightful I was, but I came up beneath her, and this is what I said. I said, Lily, you have to come down, and you must let go of the branches and let me hold you. I will carry you down, let go, and let me bring you down. And in that moment, I put Lily in the position of having to decide whether or not she would trust me. Whether or not she would choose to entrust herself to me. She had to make that decision. And she did. She decided to have, and here's what the word really means. She decided to have faith in me at that moment. And that meant she let go and let me hold her. I carried her all the way down. I went into my office. I was dizzy. I don't know how I managed to get through the service that afternoon. I did. That day in Sunday school, the children had to fill out a little sheet about why they loved their dad. And one sentence said, I love my dad because, and Lily wrote, and she's four years old, because he rescues me. Faith is the decision to trust yourself into the hands of another God who is trustworthy. When you get yourself trapped in a place that's too high and dangerous for you and you cannot get out of there, God comes and says, you let go and let me hold you. Faith is the decision to let go and let God hold you. Whatever it is, wherever you are in your own life right now, some of you have been following God for a very long time and still, even still this morning, I hope, and each time we gather, God will come to you and say to you, let go and let me hold you. And God himself will carry you into the next thing for you. And faith is the decision to let him do that. 
And some of you have no faith. You've come into this place and someone has invited you and you're curious enough and maybe God will say to you, why don't you let your mind open up to the possibility that I am real, that I am here. See what happens. Wherever you are on the spectrum, faith is what we are aiming at together. What I intend to do in the weeks ahead and this morning is to bring us as a gathering each day to the place where we can see God's call to faith and then... And then step out so that God changes us and this world in which we find ourselves, which is in such desperate need of change, isn't it? And the way God will do it is when, like my daughter Lily, we are able to, as four-year-old kids who trust their dad, let go and let God bring us to the next place. And now we're going to see each week in different stories in the scripture how this looks in real life. And this morning, we'll start at the very beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis. There's a story there in which God interacts with one man. It's in the 12th chapter of Genesis. If you bring a Bible, you can open it now. And let me tell you what we're going to see before we read. Uh, We're going to see God come to a man and speak to him. The man's name is Abram. Later on, it will be changed to Abraham. Many of you have heard of Abraham in the scriptures. This is the first time we see God interacting with this man, Abram. Abram is there when God comes, and God is going to tell him what step he needs to take. He's going to make a promise to Abram, and then we're going to see Abram make the decision of faith. We're going to see Abram let go of the branches and let God carry him to the next step. We're going to see faith. So, in the first verse of chapter 12 in the book of Genesis, let's let's listen and then we'll go through the text. Here's what we read. Verse 1. Now, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord told him. Let's Let's stay here for a bit and focus in on the details of this extraordinary story. Here we see a man to whom God speaks. Somehow, Abram becomes the recipient of divine communication. He is there when God comes and tells him something absolutely extraordinary, that God wants him to take a massive step, which is captured in just two words there at the end of the first verse. Look again at God's words to him, go from. Abram had lived for a long time in the land called Haran. It was the place where he'd made his home. It was the place where his father and mother had come many, many years earlier and where they had made their home. It was the place where his family was, his kindred, his aunts and uncles lived there. All of his friends were there. It was the place that he had been at long enough to call it home. And I want you now to imagine for a moment that in a place like this, you had this strong sense that God was saying, it's time to go. It's an extraordinary moment 
Some of you right now are thinking, well, if God came to me in my hometown where I live around my family and asked me to go, well, I'd be ready to go right away. I can't stand my family and I hate where I live. But imagine, <laughs> imagine it. Go from this village, which is the place which you have known for all these years, where all of the paths are that you walk day in and day out. Where that tree is, your favorite tree, which you sit under for shade, or the stream in which you swim when the summer is hot. Go away from the tree where you get olives for your family, and the hills where, you, where your flocks feed in the evenings. All of it. Leave everything behind. This is a moment where God is coming to a man who is settled and saying, in effect, I am about to unsettle everything for you. Would you get up now and go away from virtually everything you've known? It is a massive step that he's being asked to take. This, listen now, this is a step of faith which God is setting before this man and asking him to take it. Now listen, if, if this man Abram takes it, we're going to see this clearly in a bit. If he takes it, everything's going to change for him. And everything is going to change for the world around him as well. Because that's how God changes the world. And the question is, will he take it or not? Look again at what I read, and you'll see at the end of verse 4, Abram's response is so simple and decisive. There in the text, it says, So Abram went. This is a man who knew the next step that God wanted him to take, and he chose to take it. He had heard from God, he made the decision to trust, and he stepped out because he chose to trust. Listen now, and I'm going to make this more plain as we go along, but trust me, what the world needs is change. The way the world will change is when men and women hear from God, know what he's asking them to do, and then they choose to do it. When men and women, having heard Make the choice to let go of the branches and to go where God is saying to go. Not because it will be easy, not because they're clear about everything ahead, but because they've decided to trust him. When men and women, ordinary people do that, that is when God changes things. And now you ought to consider for a moment, would you do it? Would you make that change? Listen, I know for sure that one of you right now is thinking, you know what? I would if only I could hear from God as clearly as this man did. When was the last time you were there and God said, time to move? <laughs> and you're thinking, I guess that's how God used to work, but if he did that now, I would go like Abram, but that doesn't happen to me. Yeah? Okay, now listen. If you don't want anything to change in your life, do not listen to me anymore. I'm serious. Don't listen to what I'm going to say next. Maybe the reason that Abram heard from God, and we don't, is that he had nothing distracting him from the voice of the divine, which is all around us like the gentle breeze, and we are distracted by a million things all the time. Think about the difference between the end of the day 3,000 years ago, back in Abram's day in Haran, and the end of the day for you and me right now. Netflix. Huh? A lot of good op opportunities there on Netflix, right? Cable. I think sports, is that a thing you guys are into? Jets, are they playing, right? There are endless distractions. There's Instagram, 
There's text messages. There's Facebook if you're still using that old-fashioned thing. There are so many moments in your life and in my life that our attention can be grabbed by anything and everything. And then imagine Abram at the end of the day. The sun's down, and so work has to end. The fire is the light. There he sits with his family and his friends, and it's quiet, and it's easy. The stars are brilliant. There's no light to block them. The sound of the insects in the air and the breeze. And when he's off by himself, moving his pastures around, he doesn't have anything in his ears except the quiet sound of the world all around him. And you know, listen, you might not believe this. It is true. You know that God himself is always ready to speak. The question is not whether God is speaking. It's whether we are in a position to hear. And so here it is. If you want to hear from God because you have not heard, I'm going to tell you, try this. Try setting aside one evening this week where you do not bring your phone with you. There's no technology to distract you and go on a walk for one hour. And when you start walking, say this. If you're accustomed to praying, pray, God, would you help me hear you in this hour ahead of me? If you're not accustomed to praying, it's as simple as this. Honestly, if you're skeptical, say, God, I heard something on Sunday. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't speak. But if you do, would you help me get a sense of the kind of thing you might say to me? And then start to walk. I know someone's thinking, if I do that, I'm going to think about my email. And my phone, of course you are. Just say it again. Say, God, I'm distracted. Help me listen again. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you had one full hour where you didn't have anything else demanding time of you? I know you're thinking of the kids and of work. Listen, ask a good friend, would you look after my kids? I want to go walk and be quiet. If you would do that, I'm telling you, you might not hear God say, it's time for you to move across the country, but I guarantee you, you will hear something. And then listen, let me add to this. Listen, those of us who are Christians, you know, we call this the word of God because we believe that in it God speaks and tells us what we need to hear. So after your hour of silence, then come and give 15, 20 minutes, an hour of undivided attention to the scriptures. And when you start to read, say, God, if there is something you're asking me to do and to step out into, would you help me see it in this time? And then listen, if you would do that, you will be in the position that Abram was in, which is that God himself will say something to you. And then the question is, will you trust or not? Will you take a step of faith or not? And if you will take a step of faith, I'm telling you that everything will change and it will be good. Whether it's a small thing and then maybe God will say to you, stop worrying so much and tell me about what you're concerned about. I mean, it's all over the New Testament that we shouldn't worry that God's got it, it in his hands and that we can bring our cares to him. Uh, maybe he'll tell you, hey, that thing you've been ignoring, start worrying about it. I'm serious. He might say, pay attention to this. But if you listen, you'll hear. Now, let's come back to the story because after hearing, after hearing from God and choosing uh, to go, uh, there's more uh, in this story that can teach us about the dynamics of faith. 
It is indeed hearing and taking the first step, but there's more and another detail that I want to draw your attention to so that we can learn about what faith is like. I want you now again to use your imagination with me. Picture Abram coming home from his walk where he left his phone and he listened to God and he comes in and he's got a wife. Her name is Sarai at this point. It will be changed to Sarah. Okay, picture. He comes in, she's there on the couch. He's been out communing with the divine. She's catching up on the latest episode of Stranger Things. Not many of you know about that show. Is that a show? Okay, I just was checking to see if you're still with me. He, <laughs> he sits down and he's trying to figure out, how do, I, how do I bring this up to her? So he heard from God, this had to happen. How am I going to tell her? Uh, dear... This place where we've settled, it's time for us to go. I've been listening to God again in the silence, and I hear it. I know, I know it. He said it's time for us to leave. Can you imagine being in her position? It, it, God himself has, has told me. Uh, some of you are imagining this. If your spouse did this, you'd nod and smile. Go in the other room, call the doctor. But she also trusts. She's also a person who knows that God speaks. And so they work it out together. It's time for us to go. What would be your question if you were her? I know what mine would be. If, I, if, if I'm ready to believe God has told us to go, you know what I'm going to ask. What are you going to ask? Okay, we're going to go. Where are we going to? And that's quite natural. That is, if God says to me, here's step one, I want to know what step two is, and three, before I go. Are you like that? Look again at what God tells Abram in this communication. This is absolutely remarkable. The place where he tells him to go there in verse 1, look at it. It is, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Do you know what that means? It means God has made it clear enough to him that it's time to go without telling him where he's going to go to. God has made it clear to him, here is what you must leave without making it clear to him what he is going to go to. He has shown him what step one is without letting him see steps two or three or four. That requires real faith. You see it? It's a moment where he really must trust. We might want to know, why wouldn't he show step two and three? If you think for a moment, it wouldn't really be trust if he knew everything that was going to come. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Do some of you know those words? And a light to my path. This is from Psalm 119. It's a beautiful image of what God's word, both written and God's word that comes to us as we listen in prayer, what it's like. A lamp for our feet, which means it's dark and I get to see the next step, but not the one after that. Here, God invites this man to take step one without showing him what step two is. This is often how God works. If you would try what I've suggested, if you would go and listen, you might, in fact, hear God making very plain to you what the next step is for you, and then you might want to know the one after that, but God may not show you. And the question is, will you take the first step? And here I am urging you, I'm telling you, take the first step whatever it is. Let me be very, very, very practical. Someone here, as I've talked about the step that God wants you to take, you've thought of a conversation that you've been avoiding, which you know God wants you to have. 
And one of the reasons you haven't had it yet is you can't imagine how it's going to turn out if you finally do say this thing that you need to say to your spouse or to your friend or to your coworker. And you're waiting, but you know that God wants you to say it. Listen, have the conversation no matter what the outcome is. If God's told you to do it, do it. Okay, maybe that's not your uh, word from God. Maybe someone in here has heard God pushing, challenging you to get more involved at church here, serving in a way you haven't served before. I know this is some of you because you've told me in the last week. You might be tempted to wait until you have more clarity about exactly what it would feel like or who would be involved or what the outcome might be like. You want to greet. You want to help with students. You want to get involved with the children or the youth. You want to uh, be involved in, in creating a welcoming environment, but you don't know what it will be like. You don't know the next step. Listen, don't wait. If God's made it plain to you, take that next step. There are parents here, and I know this because I'm a parent, who know God wants you to get involved in forming the faith of your kids. And it's hard to talk about faith with your kids, so you you don't know how it's going to turn out, and so you wait. Look, don't wait. Try, fail. Have a miserable first conversation, but do it. And then go online. Listen, uh, Paul mentioned the the, uh, blog that Kristen put together. It is remarkable. She sent it to me. It is such a great resource. Go, read it, and then talk to your kids about faith. Whatever it is, whatever the step that God will put before you as one step, take it. And I've mentioned just a few. Maybe one person in here, right now, one of you, if you listen, you'll hear God say, take a step as big as what he asked Abram to take. Maybe that's true. And you have been holding tight onto the branches because you are terrified of what would happen if you let go. And here I'm telling you, and I am telling you this, God is trustworthy. Faith which lets go of the branches so that God himself can hold and then carry a person forward is never a source of regret. I've never met anybody who said, I had so much faith in God and I just wish I didn't. I regret it. No, because when a person lets go and when the change that comes about in their life comes because they've decided for faith, and I am so excited to unfold for you next week and the week after that the stories that are ahead of us because I believe God will use them to grow in you and in me and in Wren Church altogether the kind of faith that God will use to change the world. Oh, but when a person lets go, like Abram does here, what God does is absolutely amazing. And this is in the third detail that I want you to see in the story. It's amazing. It's easy to miss it. It is extraordinarily important, not just for the story of Abram, but for the story of the entire scriptures. Uh, some of you will know this is such an important exchange here this time where God comes and speaks to Abram. But what happens because of the promise is remarkable. Look at the text with me one more time, and I want you to notice that along with this specific challenge from God to Abram, there is a promise which is made. And here it is. You'll see it up here. The promise which God gives to Abram as he tells him to step out is that he will bless him. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. 
Now, it's absolutely critical to get this right. It's easy to miss. Some people would like only to focus on the first part of that promise and tell you here this morning, if only you'll have faith, God will bless you and then unfold all of the good things that will come to you if you choose in faith to walk after him. And I'll tell you right now, as many of you will know from your experience or you will see in the world when you look around with open eyes, sometimes following after God makes life hard, really hard, yeah? The history of of Christian faith shows it in Jesus himself. When he invited the disciples to come with him, he didn't say, come with me, and everything will be easy. He was honest about how the challenges would come to them, but some of you know as you become mature, and I want all of you to see this someday, that even the challenges of following after God are better, way better, than the blessings that the world can give. So that if a person follows God and loses everything to come after him, it will still turn out to be true that they are blessed. But the most important thing about this promise is the second half. That is, that the reason God blesses Abram is so that he will be a blessing. And this dynamic, which we see starting here, unfolds all the way over over the entire sweep of Scripture. And we see it especially with Jesus and his followers. He saves people so that he can use them to do good in the world. Let me be very frank. He rescues people in faith so that they can become his instruments of bringing about the change that this world so desperately needs that even a mover as he's carrying boxes up heavy stairs will have it on his heart that he wishes the world would change. This is, this is amazing. Abram leaves And he trusts God. And for years, there's no sign of the truth of the promise that God made, which is that Abram would have descendants. Finally, there's a child who comes. His name is Isaac. And Isaac has children. And the generations begin to roll along. And then, eventually, there is one of Abram's descendants who's named David. He's the greatest king that 